All right. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Our text for today is going to be two of them. Uh, first, let's go to Romans 12. And the second one is easy to remember is 1 Corinthians 12. So Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12. And so if you have your Bibles, go there. I want to read both of these. And uh, there is a purpose for which I want to read two this morning. Uh, because as you'll see when we read, both of them are about the gifts of the Spirit. And so I want us to read Romans 12, beginning in verse 3, and then 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 4. So if you ever wonder where the gifts of the Spirit are laid out, um, they are laid out in Romans and 1 Corinthians 12. Easy to remember. There you go. Both of them are 12. All right, <clears throat> let's read Romans 12, 3 through 8, and then we'll jump to 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11. Uh, what I'm going to be doing today is kind of bouncing, not bouncing too much, but I will be bouncing back and forth. And so I wanted to say that ahead of time so that you can, can kind of know a little bit about what we're going to be doing. So... Um, it's going to be up here, but at the end of the day, I just wanted you to know that we're going to kind of be in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 at the same time. Okay? All right. Romans 12, 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Now let's jump to 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the mid-1700s, uh, there was a a newspaper or a magazine at the time called The Weekly History. And in The Weekly History, there was an account of a Boston slave owner who walked 
in on his slave preaching to himself. And the way that he was doing this was that he was imitating George Whitfield and George Whitfield's dramatic style. If you don't know who George Whitfield is, George Whitfield played a leading role in America's Great Awakening that would see thousands uh, come to know Jesus. And what happened during that Great Awakening is that thousands upon thousands would renounce secularism and materialism, essentially. Um, and so the owner, who was no fan of the revival that was happening during that time, uh, was so amused by what this his slave was doing that he called together his friends for some after-dinner entertainment. And the author of this particular article uh, wrote the following. Supplying his friends with pipes and glasses all around, he instructed his slave to mount a stool in the middle of the room or in the center of the room and preach as he had, as he had heard him do the day before. And as the slave began... The company that was surrounding the slave started laughing heartily. But when the slave began to warn against blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and he began to proclaim the necessity of the new birth, quote, this is a quote, the Negro spoke with such authority that struck the gentlemen to heart. And to their host dismay, the men began to listen intently, and many as a result of the day's entertainment became pious sober men wow this month we've been looking at our value as a church to serve with sincere love in the first week we looked at the posture of service and said that our posture should be that of Jesus who came to give up his life so that we could be restored into relationship with God And we define sincere love by saying that sincere love is when you're willing to do what Jesus did and give up your life for your friends. Mm -hmm. And then in week two, we looked at the orientation of our service and saw how scripture calls us to be servants. And we learned that our servants should be oriented toward being servants of God and being servants of others. And being servants to God and to others is costly because we are first under the lordship of God and his purposes and plans, and we are to serve everyone, yes. including those that we don't think of as neighbors. Yes. Now, I gave you the story at the beginning because I don't know about you, but I'm stirred whenever I hear stories of the Lord showing up when you least expect him. What was... Uh, originally intended to be some sort of entertainment, all of a sudden turned into a moment where the Holy Spirit showed up. And when men were least expecting for the Spirit to show up and capture their heart and what they thought was going to be some sort of circus act, turned into a moment where they encountered the living God. Why? Because there was one man who stood up in the middle of the room and I would argue used the gift that the Lord had given him. And if I was honest, this series for me, uh, in particular, as we're talking about serving with sincere love, felt like an internal wrestle. It felt like there was, uh, there's been spiritual warfare around, um, uh, whether it's me and even here in this room, around digging deep into what scripture calls us to when we see and recognize the posture and the orientation of our service and how our example 
is to live like Jesus did and live according to the kingdom of God, which is our common er narrative, a common narrative that says, let's do that one more time. The common narrative that says, (laughs) and so I came to realize this week that um, we do not live on neutral ground. Um, I was listening to a, uh, a teaching that John Tyson gave this past weekend. And in this past week, he says that we're living in a time that we're seeing the greatest societal decline in recent history. Mm. And the good news is, is that we in this room and everyone who calls themselves a Christian or someone who calls himself a Jesus followers, they get to be a part of the greatest decline in recent history. And yet this realization is daunting. And I personally often sit back and and say, Lord, can I, me personally, can I actually do and accomplish the mission that you set out for me to do? And not just for me, but I also sit back and pray for you guys and pray for Ecclesia City as a whole. And I ask the Lord, Lord, can we do and accomplish the mission that you set out for us to do? Has anybody ever prayed that? Yes. No. <laughs> Are you the only one? I'm with you, Chels. <laughs> uh, life's big questions have a way of confusing us and disorienting our lives and, and purpose, especially when we look at the arc of our lives and we, and we think that we should be somewhere else or we thought we would be somewhere else by the time we reach this age. So for the next two weeks, what I want us to sit is in this uncomfortable place, the uncomfortable place of does, does my life matter or am, am I making a difference? If you've asked those questions before, that's honestly an uncomfortable place. And, yeah. and what I want us to see for the next two weeks is to see how God has gifted us for a time, yeah. for this time, for this moment, for this place in history to enter into it as agents of renewal who know the posture and the orientation of our service. And I also say uncomfortable because I think we're just now beginning to scratch as a community together to scratch the surface regarding how we ought to operate in the gifts of the spirit and trusting God that he will actually use us. And so I want to see how and why we are gifted for service. So in a confusing world, we are gifted for service. Mm. Now, at Ecclesia City, we believe that all, everybody say all, all, all the gifts of the Spirit are available for us today. We are not the theological term that is being thrown around nowadays is we a cessationist versus continuationist. We are not cessationist. We are continuationist. That is what we're going to be teaching and preaching and, and, and encouraging you and challenging you to walk out every single day. And so um, the controversy surrounding this topic in church history and in our modern church cultures, uh, this particular belief that the gifts are for today uh, begs the following question, which gifts, right? Like what gifts? Is it all of them? Is it some of them? Is it part of them? Is it one of them? Is it none of them? Mm -hmm. And 
to which back in September, if you remember when we were going through Distinct, we talked about the gifts of the Spirit and back in September of last year. And today again, I want to be clear that one of our distinctives at Ecclesia City is that we believe that the gifts laid out in Scripture are for today. What are the gifts laid out in Scripture? 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, and I forgot to put, uh, oh no, I did. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4, 11. There it is, right there. So let's look at how we, how we are gifted, okay? So I want to do this. How are we gifted? And, and then we'll, we'll answer another question here in a minute. So how are we gifted? Let's look at verses 3 through 6 in Romans chapter 12. Paul says, and, and he's writing, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, and remember this verse, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So every single one of you have received a measure of faith that God has given you. Okay. And that's the way that you ought to think of yourself. Verse four, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we though, we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So what I briefly want to point out is that Paul here is making a point to say that there is one person who is at work in our spiritual gifts. That person is I would venture to say God to be more specific. And I'll explain here in a minute. Now, I want to show you something about Paul's consistency in his writings. I just thought that this was amazing. So please, uh, I, I want to take you down this road with me. It's believed that Romans was written by Paul in the year 57 AD. And this is just two years after he wrote 1 Corinthians which was written in 55 AD. So 1 Corinthians was written first, 55 AD, and Romans was written in 57. In Romans, he's saying, God is the one who equips you. Hmm. And then 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Mm -hmm. Now, this is pretty amazing if you ask me, because there's a lot, a lot that could change in two years. Yeah, sure. <laughs> including the understanding of how spiritual gifts are distributed. Sure. Yet, according to 1 Corinthians, who is the only person at work in our spiritual gifts? God. God. This is the same answer that we have for Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 actually provides some additional context that I believe that Romans 12 is also has is implied. So remember when we said this back when we were going through the uh, Nicene Creed series, we said that God is Trinity. Ready? I'm going to give you the big definition, the big mouthful again. You ready? You should have this memorized, by the way. No. <laughs> If anybody asks you, what is the Trinity? This is the definition that you can give them. God is Trinity. There is one God that eternally exists as one essence and three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, 
all of which are fully God, yet there is one God. God exists in perfect unity of essence, exercising divine action in three distinct persons, eternally pre-existing and working in redemptive history. Redemptive history is what we are living in today. I can break this down, but if you want to want me to break this down, go back to Nicene Creed and uh, the recordings are still out and you can listen to this particular one where we talk about God in particular. But the way God is working in redemptive history, according to 1 Corinthians, are you following me, by the way? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so we're going to jump back here to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Ready? Is that 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says, the spirit distributes the gifts we are serving the Lord and God is at work therefore we cannot and should not operate in the giftings that God has deposited in us thinking that it is us in our own strength That's operating right. in them That's right. it is God at work That's right. and just to be sure Remember that Romans 12.3, again, makes it clear that we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but to think of ourselves in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to us. So I'm just going to repeat it this way and you and summarize it this way. It is God at work through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit who distributes the gifts to each one of us. That is how we are gifted. What a happy day. <laughs> it is God at work through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit who distributes the gifts to each one of us. That's how we are gifted. Okay, that's settled. Now, let's look at the purpose of the gifts. So why are we gifted? How are we gifted? We just answered that. Why are we gifted? Ready? Yes. All right. First Corinthians 12, 7. First Corinthians 12, 7 reiterates the work of the spirit and adds this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. So first purpose, number one, the gifts of the spirit is to do good. And I'm just going to add serve in love there. Because I would argue that whenever you are doing something for the common good, especially as a believer in Jesus, what you are doing is that you're imitating Jesus and you're imitating his life. And we said that in order for us to sincerely love someone, we must be willing to do what? Give up our life. Right? So what Paul has in view here is not the ability to perform, but the act of ministry itself. Right. Which is without exception to be used to serve one another for the benefit of all or the common good. So our posture for service, when we say sincere love, is inherent in the purpose of service, which is doing it with our gifts. Okay. If your motive in exercising the gifts of the spirit is to gain something other than to serve one another in love for the benefit of all, then you fall into the trap of division and discord. Yes, say that again. Say it again. Mm -hmm. 
If your motive in exercising the gifts of the Spirit is to gain something other than to serve one another in love for the benefit of all, then you fall into the trap of division and discord. You begin to divide. You begin to create discord. You begin to create animosity. You begin to enter into spaces where the purpose of it is to argue and not actually to be in unity with one another. And you begin to use your gifts for selfish gain. You become what Paul describes in 1 Corinthians 13, that if you do these things without love, you become a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Worse yet, Paul says that if you're able to move mountains and not love, again, love there being to lay your life down as the posture of your love, then you are nothing. Have you ever received, have you ever, has anyone ever insulted you by saying you're nothing? To me, that is like a, one of the worst insults you can give me. But if you give all of your possessions, Paul says, and even if you give up your body but do so without love, then you gain nothing. Instead, in our giftings, 1 Corinthians 13 says we ought to take the posture of Jesus who did not come to be served but to serve, to serve with a sincere love, to, and, and to serve in a way that lays down your life where Paul then goes into the description of what love is and I'm not going to do it for the sake of time but you can look it up in 1 Corinthians 13. And so this leads me to the next purpose. So first purpose, do good and serve in love is the purpose of our gifts. Second, The second purpose of the gifts is to put God's glory on display. Not yours, but God's. Scripture uses two primary metaphors for God's people, us together as a whole. One of the metaphors it uses is that it uses the metaphor of the body of Christ, or we are the body of Christ. (laughs) So Paul in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 speaks of how the body ought to function in order to display display God's glory. So I want to do the same exercise that we did back in September. You ready? Yes. Everyone take your pointer finger and move it. Now, I can't see you, but everyone take your big toe and begin to move your big toe. (laughs) Now, thank you. I appreciate it. All of us have hit our pinky toe on something and we've become aware of how intricately connected our bodies are, right? From the pain in our toe to our hands that grab, our, uh, like, like the, that, that break our fall, to then grabs our toe, and then our tongues that are maybe saying profane things, to our brain that is arguably controlling all, every part of our movements, right? As the body of Christ then there should be, as 1 Corinthians 12, 25 says, no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for one another. Mm -hmm. The fact that you can raise your hand above and move your big finger and then uh, down, uh, sorry, your pointer finger, and then your big toe, there you go, that's what I meant to say, and then go all the way to the bottom and move one of your big toes, says that you are intricately connected in such a way where there is no division in your body. And if there is, and there is an issue that you have to pay attention to, right? 
So if used properly, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, 25, when referencing the proper use of the gift of prophecy in particular in the presence of unbelievers, he says, 1 Corinthians 14, 25, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. And so God has called us, has called us to use our giftings in such a way that we display his glory and many will come to know him by the way that you serve with your giftings. Now I'm asked the same question that I did back in September. Do you see why now the enemy has created confusion around giftings? His goal is to get you to not yield to the spirit and blind the eyes of people to the glory of God. And operating in the gifts is not just because we've been given those gifts. It's because we operate in the gifts because we have been captured by such beauty that we desire to point others to the beauty of God. Personal story. I was talking with Ian last week during our ministry time about something that the Lord was doing in my own life. And I've always said that the Lord hasn't given me the gift of an evangelist. Okay. Now, don't get me wrong. I've shared the gospel with people before, uh, but it has come at the price of sweaty palms, a stuttering tongue, and at some point some embarrassment over some of the things that I say. Yet, here's what I will say, that the more that I have come to know the Lord, the more I see his goodness. Now, I'm going to show you a next slide, but don't let the slide distract you from what I'm trying to say here, because I think that the next slide is only trying to capture maybe a little sliver of what it is that I want to say about this particular thing. You ready? And the more I see his goodness, the more he becomes beautiful to me. The more he becomes beautiful, the more my heart lights on fire. And the more my heart lights on fire, the more I love him. And the more that I fall in love with him, the more that I want to tell others about his goodness. And I believe that the reason why we don't operate in the gifts of the spirit or that we're afraid to enter in or, or maybe just a little trepidatious is because our attention has not been arrested by the beauty of God. And we're also not telling the story appropriately. The story is not just about how God came and he delivers you from hell. Yes, that is a portion of it. But the story is about a good God who loves you. The story is about a God who who desires nothing from you other than to invite you into a love relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and join in on the dance that has been going on from eternity. And if the purpose of being gifted is to put God's glory on display and we don't do it, it isn't a problem with the gift or the giver of the gift. It is a problem with the affections of our life and what has captured our attention. And so for me, I want to use the gifts that God has given me to display his glory and show everyone how beautiful he is. I want to say like the, I was telling the class that I was teaching on Friday and I get really excited and I got excited at, in the class. Remember Sammy? I, I, I want to say like the Samaritan woman when she met Jesus and Jesus tells her everything that she runs away and goes back to Samaria and she says, come see the man. Yes. 
And so scripture says that in his presence, he fills us with joy and he gives us that at his right hand are eternal pleasures forevermore. And so the gifts are to put Jesus on display, to put God on display so that others can experience his goodness. And that is the common good that we're after. Ha, Lord, give us a heart. Give us eyes to see how beautiful you are. Mm. Now, I want to end by showing you this. Back in September, we took a gifts assessment and identified giftings that each of you have in this room. Now, what we're going to do next week is that we're going to take a deeper dive into what this means here. But, uh, but for now, I'll mention this. The top three gifts that are among us here in this room are exhortation, number one. So if you feel like you're being challenged and encouraged, just know that the number one gift among the people in this room, like the number one gift that rose to the top, okay, not that it's your number one gift, but the number one gift that was among us in this room is the gift of exhortation. Okay? So if you feel challenged, just know it's because of the people that you're hanging out with. Um, second, number two was hospitality. We're going to challenge you, but we're going to welcome you in the middle of all of that. If you feel welcomed, it's because the people in here are incredibly hospitable. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's point, pointing of the fingers happening over here <laughs> of the pin. I mean, no, I'm just kidding. Hospitality is number two. And then watch this. Number three was really interesting. The top or the third, there was a tie for the third. And that was craftsmanship, discernment and mercy. So you're going to be challenged, but man, in the midst of that, you're going to be shown mercy. The reason why you're being challenged is because people are discerning things that are happening. But then also uh, we have people among us that are able to create some beautiful things. Yeah. Yeah. is that amazing? Yes. So cool. I mean, I, when, I, when I saw this, <laughs> yeah, everybody's pointing over here. <laughs> So it's, it's interesting because what my hope is, is that next week we get to do more of this, of like point, point to people that have these gifts because you see how they come up to the surface. But what I'm trying to say is that we are a people uh, that, I'll just go back. We are a people of exhortation. We are a people of hospitality. We are a people of craftsmanship, discernment, and mercy. And so this means that these, again, may not be your top gift, but among us collectively, these are the top gifts that culturally we will operate in together as the current body that is here. This is going to change the, with the more people that we add. But I would venture to say that if statistics are true in any way, shape or form, is that if we're going to be attracting people of exhortation, of discernment, of craftsmanship, of hospitality, um, and we're going to be attracting people of mercy because that is the common gift, the common good. What we are pointing people to Jesus, the facet of Jesus that is going to be made that much more beautiful among this group of people are those. It may not be one for one, but it's going to be the predominant is what I'm saying. 
And what I want to point out is that what this also shows is that every single one of you has been gifted. You've all been gifted. No one has been left out. I don't know how you felt about taking that particular assessment because it is an assessment created by man at the end of the day. But what I will say is that some of us may, may maybe felt like, oh, wow, eye opening. Others may felt like, oh, here we go again. You know, but at the end of the day, wherever you may fall in that spectrum, the point is, is that you have been gifted. God has not left you out. He has not left you behind. And all you all have a gift to love others and use that gift for the common good. You have a gift to be able to point to Jesus and say, look, Jesus is better. He is beautiful. I have found purpose in my serving. I have found the orientation in my serving. I have found that I am able to serve with sincere love because of what God has done in me, for me, and what he will do through me. Remember those prepositions, in, for, through. And so in talking about the gifts, 1 Corinthians 14.1 has this to say, and this is just hmm, so good. It says, follow the way of love. Yeah. Follow the way of giving up your life for others, yeah. is what he's saying. And eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, specific, especially prophecy. And we'll talk about that. Now, What scripture is urging us here is to eagerly desire the gifts of the spirit. And the word eagerly that it uses here is the Greek word zelao. Okay. Uh, Let's see if I can do this. Say. uh, La. O. What? Zaya, got it. Zayla. Oh. Oh, okay. Zaylao. Okay. Zaylao. And what Zaylao, when it talks about talking like eagerly, eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, Zaylao means a passionate commitment to. Wow. It's the Greek word from where we get the English word zealous. This word indicates movement toward and excitement about, boiling over with anticipation. The zealous person who has their mind set on the flesh will boil over with jealousy, envy, competition, or and or contention. But the one who has their mind set on the spirit will have a passionate commitment to lovingly serve their neighbor and boil over with anticipation that will see another glimpse into who God is, that the gifts are for everyone. Wow. Which gifts? All. All. And so in a confusing world, we are gifted for service. So let us serve with sincere love. Mm -hmm. And so, Lord, I just want to take this moment here and just say thank you. Thank you for the gifts that you have given us. How you have gifted us, how you've wired us, how you have... uh, Lord, given us the opportunity to 
serve you and love you. And Lord, we just want to start today to say that we eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. That we eagerly desire to boil or we we boil over with anticipation asking holy spirit will you come down with power that if it is the father through the son by the power of the holy spirit that we are gifted that we are given the grace to walk out this life so that we can do the common good as we point people to you the good one, the faithful one. God, I ask that you would give that to us. As Paul would pray and tell Timothy uh, and that he would exhort Timothy that, that, that Lord, that you would stir up the yes. gifts in us, God. Let them let, the, let them come to the surface, God. That just like we mix in sugar into water and when we stir it, the water becomes sweet. That God, that you would stir up the gifts in us that when the gifts are stirred in our midst, that what we see is that the glory of God becomes that much sweeter. God, I pray that you would have your way, Holy Spirit. That you would come. Rest on us. Fill this house today. Fill our lives today. Fill our hearts today. Fill our capacities today. We desire and want more of you, Holy Spirit. Yes. 